Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. As Jesus is here in the upper room, he's talking to his disciples, and he really pours out his heart in his last words to his disciples. Have you ever heard somebody's last words? If you knew that what you were saying were your last words to somebody, they would typically be pretty important, you know, monumental words to say, right? Most of us are familiar with a man by the name of Nathan Hale. He was a patriot spy during the American Revolution, and he was arrested by the British. He was uh, brought to be executed by hanging. And as that happened, the, the British officers looked at him and said, Mr. Hale, do you have any last words for us? And he looked out and said, I only regret that I have but one life to give for my country. And as you hear something like that, man, that just sort of fires you up a little bit inside, right? Gets you excited to be an American and, you know, the incredible brave uh, men and women over the past couple centuries that have laid down their lives for us to get you excited. There was another man by the name of Todd Beamer. Just over 18 years ago, he was on flight 93 flying on 9-11. And as you know, it was a tragic day in American history. Uh, I remember I was in sixth grade at the time, which some of you young people are like, man, that guy's old. And some of you uh, older generation are like, is he that young? But regardless, I was in sixth grade, and I remember hearing these stories. And the first plane hit the World Trade Center. The second plane hit the World Trade Center. Then the plane hit the Pentagon. And there was one more flight, and it was in Pennsylvania at the time. And word came to the people on the flight that these other flights had been hijacked and had been crashed into these, into these uh, population centers, these towers. And these people on this flight started calling their loved ones and saying, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen, but we love you and everything. And this man, Todd Beamer, called his wife and he had to leave her a voice message, but she still has the recording today. And he told her how much she loved him and how much she meant to him and all. And then he said, really, his last words ever recorded, he says, okay, guys, are you guys ready? Let's roll. And they heard that. And as you know, they were able to take over the flight, crash it into the ground there in Pennsylvania, save potentially hundreds of more lives, depending on where that flight would have gone. But as you you hear stories like that, again, it gets you excited about people's last words. Other people's last words are a little bit less inspiring. Uh, There's a man by the name of James French, And he was a convicted serial killer. He was actually uh, condemned to die by the electric chair. And as he was brought to the electric chair, they strapped him in and the executioner looked at him and said, okay, do you have any last words? And he said, hey, fellas, how about this for a headline for tomorrow's papers? French fries. So uh, some people's last words are a little bit less inspiring than others. But here in in, uh, John chapters 15 and the chapters before and after, We read Jesus' last words, and he knew that he was getting ready to be led to a cross where he would give his life for us, and he knew that this was the last opportunity that he would have before he was crucified to pour out his heart to his disciples. That's what he does here in John chapter 15. Look with me at verse 8. Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, 
and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Let's all bow our head, close our eyes and ask God to help in the service tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you so much for the privilege that you've given me to come here uh, to Moses Lake and to uh, share our, our burden and our vision and our heart for church planting in Seattle. Lord, I thank you for the work that you're doing in uh, Brother Fountain's health, that he's uh, seeming to be recovering well. Lord, I pray that you'll continue that recovery and allow him to get uh, back home, back with his family, and back healthy soon. Lord, I pray for uh, Pastor Fountain as he's out there in Seattle right now that you'll uh, just encourage him, uh, bring him back home quickly and safely as well. Pray for the Bosworths as they're uh, traveling on deputation right now, raising support for that church plant in Wenatchee. Pray that you'll bring that in quickly, that you'll give them a wonderful start to that church, and that you'll use them in a great way there. Lord, I pray that you'll use this time this evening to uh, just speak to us, to encourage us, to challenge us in these areas from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Here is Jesus is opening his heart to his disciples. Again, like I said, just pouring out his heart, his very last words before he would be crucified to his disciples. He points out three truths about love that I think will be a challenge to us as well. First, let's look at the example of love. Jesus says here, so have I loved you. And as I have loved you, he says in verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus here is saying, you know what, guys? This is what love is. This is what love looks like. And he's about to give them a perfect living illustration of what true, sacrificial, unconditional love is all about. He was getting ready to go to a cross and die for him. Romans chapter five, verses six through eight says, for we, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed, he demonstrated his love that he has for us when he really within a day or two of this taking place, when he would go to a cross and lay down his life for the very men in this room and also for you and for me. See, we're all sinners. We've all done things that are wrong. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a single holy, righteous person on this planet other than Jesus Christ. We have all broken God's laws. We've all done things that are wrong. And the Bible says that because of that, the wages of sin, the payment, the penalty, what we deserve because of our sin is death or eternal separation from God. That's what we all deserve, but Jesus Christ loves us too much to let that happen without giving us a chance, an opportunity to have our sins forgiven, to be saved. So he came down to earth, lived a perfect sinless life, went to a cross where he was crucified, nailed to that cross, poured out his blood, uh, gave his life, took the wrath of God on himself. And he did that as penalty, as payment for my sins. He never did anything wrong. And yet he paid the penalty that I deserve because of my sins, was buried, rose again the third day. And because of that, he's able to offer us the free gift of salvation. That's a powerful example of what true love looks like. Love doesn't just, uh, you know, a lot of us in here today have 
Uh, we would say that we would love someone or whatever, but there's no better example of true love than the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. But he doesn't just give us that example. Next, we see a command to love. Look down at verse nine. Jesus says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. But then he goes on to say, continue ye in my love. He says, you know, the Father loved me, I love you, and I'm about to go prove it to you. Your responsibility now is to continue in my love. He says, you are to love others as I have loved you. What will that love look like? If, our, if the love that we have in our lives starts to reflect the love that Jesus Christ showed for us, how will that be demonstrated? How will that be evidenced in our lives? First of all, loving Jesus will result in living and abandon to him. You know, there are a lot of Christians who are on their way to heaven, and I've been there too. When we first heard the message of the gospel, when we first trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we first knew how much Jesus loved us, how much he gave for us, when we first knew that heaven is our home, not because of anything that we could ever do, but because of what Jesus did for us, didn't we just fall in love with Jesus because of that? And yet, what often happens in our lives over time? You know, I've been saved now about 25 years. And uh, over those 25 years, there have been a lot of times in my life where I have not loved Jesus Christ as I once did, where I get so distracted by things around me that I can tend to allow my, my love for Jesus Christ to wane. You know, I've been married to my wife for six years, and I remember sitting at that or standing at that wedding altar, uh, exchanging our wedding vows, and man, it was an exciting time. I loved Leanne. How terrible would our marriage be, would our relationship be, if now, six years after the fact, I were to say, you know what? I gave you my word six years ago, you know, the whole till death do us part thing. So I guess I'm kind of stuck with this. Don't really want to, but I'll just deal with it. And even so, come Lord quickly, right? Wouldn't that be a terrible relationship to have with your wife? No. I mean, I, I loved Leanne six years ago when we got married. And our marriage isn't perfect. We've had some discussions about things over time that can be more or less heated. But the reality is I love Leanne far more today than I did six years ago. But isn't that often the opposite of what happens with Jesus Christ? We fall in love with him when we first hear the gospel, but as time goes on, as distractions come into our life, as we start to get so focused on maybe a career, a job, on finances, on you know, whatever the case is, we can fall out of love with Jesus Christ. We can lose that love that we once had for him. And if that's the case, then we need to fall in love with Jesus Christ once again. We need to fall in love once again with him because of all that he did for us. Think about his sacrifice for us. Go back to when you first understood that, when you first realized that your sins were forgiven, that heaven is your home, that you don't have to pay for your sins because Jesus already did and fall in love with him all over again. But secondly, not only will uh, loving Jesus result in living in abandon to him, but loving the lost will result in going with the gospel. What is your attitude towards those around you who are lost? I, I know for me sometimes... So, so just so you know a little bit of my story, before I decided to go to Bible college and uh, serve God full-time with my life, I was saved. I, was, I knew I was on my way to heaven, but I honestly had no desire to serve God full-time with my life. I just wasn't interested in that. 
It wasn't until a summer camp after I had graduated high school that I finally surrendered to go to Bible college and serve God full time. But before that whole experience happened, from like fifth or sixth grade until after I graduated high school, I knew for a fact what I was going to be when I grew up. I knew what I was going to do, and I wanted to be involved in politics. I I love politics. For our senior year of high school, we had to do what was called a vocational research paper. We would write an entire research paper on what we wanted to do. We had to interview people in that field. And I know I probably sound really weird when I tell you this, but I did my entire vocational research paper on my dream job, and I did it on being the chief of staff in the United States Senate office. And I know that sounds weird. It sounds weird to me. I know I was weird, but that was like my dream. That was my goal. And now, obviously, God has changed that, and I'm not doing that anymore. But the reality is I still can be a little bit invested into politics and stuff going on. Just on the way in tonight, uh, we were in the car, and I was listening to a uh, town hall presidential debate. And it was at some kind of equality thing. And I just remember I, I was sitting there, I was listening to it, but the whole time I am, like, my fingers like shaking on the steering wheel, getting angrier and angrier as time goes on. I was, just, I was just mad about it. A few months ago, there was a law passed in New York, and I believe uh, Virginia passed a similar law, allowing in, in many cases abortion up until the child is born. I mean, you hear stories like this all the time. And to be honest with you, when I hear stories like that, I get a little hot under the collar and I just want to stand on a soapbox somewhere and just rant and rave and rail against what's going on in our world. But here's the reality. As much as we know right and wrong from the word of God, that's not necessarily our responsibility as Christians. As Christians, we are called to love people in our world. Why, why would a, a mother who gets pregnant decide to go to Planned Parenthood or something like that and end her child's life instead of mothering it, the reality is she probably doesn't know the value that Jesus Christ placed on that child's life. She may not realize that Jesus Christ came down to this earth, died for that child and for her. You know, if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't realize the value of human life. You don't realize the value of all that. So our responsibility, although I I certainly think we should go to the ballot box and vote every opportunity that we get, I think we can certainly volunteer, even work on political campaigns, whatever, run for office. But really, as Christians, our responsibility is to love the lost around us enough to reach them with the message of the gospel. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God has a plan for every even unborn child. And yet what is our responsibility? Jude 22 says, and if some have compassion, making a difference. If you talk to Leanne, now she's generally a very kind person, but if she were to be totally honest with you, uh, instead of being kind, she would probably admit that compassion is not my strongest uh, character quality. Uh, When I see someone, you know, do something really stupid and get hurt, Leanne would be like, oh, what a poor person. I'd be like, what a moron to to do that and get hurt. But really, we're supposed to have compassion. Jesus Christ commands us to have compassion and because of our compassion to make a difference. And the greatest way we can do that is to be witnesses, to tell people how they can have their eternity changed. If you can tell somebody, you know what, I disagree with you politically, that may make a little bit of a difference. But if you can tell that person how they can have a home in heaven, 
that will make an eternal difference. And that's our responsibility. That's what Jesus Christ has called us and has commanded us to do. But not only should we love Jesus, should we love the lost, but loving Christians will result in living a life of sacrificial service. Look back down at verse 13. Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, Jesus was just getting ready within hours to be arrested, within a day or two to be crucified. He was getting ready to demonstrate what that love looks like. And yet, as Jesus said that, he was also showing a demonstration of what love should look like in our lives. What are we willing to sacrifice for others around us? What are we willing to to give? You know, it's really easy to maybe shake someone's hand on the way out the back door of church and say, hey, I love you, brother. But are you willing to sacrifice for that person? Are you willing to prove that you love them by the actions that you show? My wife loves our children. And there's, there's never been a doubt in my mind that she loves our children. And I do as well, of course. But um, a few months ago now, our son Austin, this was before Leia was born, our son Austin was extremely sick. I know there's nothing that wakes me up. I, I've said if I were sleeping in a room, a tornado could like rip through the house, take the roof off of my head, and I would not wake up at all. But if my son is across the house and he like whimpers, it like jolts me awake. I don't understand it, don't know how that works. But I heard a noise about two in the morning and it woke me up and I went down to my son's room to check on him and I look in there and he is covered head to toe in throw up. I mean, he had some kind of stomach bug and it was nasty. So being the wonderful husband and father that I am, I woke Leanne up and I said, okay, you need to take care of this. So uh, not really, I did, I did clean up the floor and all that kind of stuff. But I remember I, I looked and Leanne takes Austin back and she, you know, even though she was tired, she was pregnant and all that at the time, but she cleaned Austin up, gave him a bath and I'm sitting there scrubbing the floor in his room. I remember walking past the bathroom door, looking in and seeing Leanne just sort of cleaning Austin up there and realizing, man, that is what real love looks like. I mean, I don't know if I could have done that. I would have been like, okay, kid, I'll see you in the morning. You know, just, just sleep it off or something. But I wouldn't really do that. But um, that, that's kind of my attitude. And then Leanne comes out of the bathroom and she says, you know what, Adam, you go on to sleep. I'll stay in here and sleep with Austin tonight. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. And so they go to bed and I hear another noise a little bit later. And I come back by the room, and now Austin has thrown up all over Leanne. And she was covered head to toe in throw up. And I was thinking, like, okay, at this point, I'm done. You know, I I just leave, you know, kid, toss him in the shower and go back to bed or something. I do not handle that very well. But you know what Leanne did? She woke up, took him back to the bathroom, got him all cleaned up. And uh, I remember looking at that, just that constant, she's not sleeping, she's pregnant, she's cleaning up a child covered in throw up, and all I saw was love. It was so obvious to me how much in that moment Leanne loved Austin, because now it doesn't just go into telling him at night, okay, I love you, but now it's visibly demonstrated in her actions toward Austin. You may say that you love Jesus Christ, that you love lost people, that you love other Christians here at the church, But is there proof to that? Are you willing to sacrificially give of yourself to meet the needs of other people around you? You may shake someone's hand as they walk out the back door of church and say, hey, I love you, brother, I love you, sister, whatever. But do you love them enough to actually give of yourself? 
Do you love them that if they needed something, you'd be the first person to leave whatever you're doing behind and go try to meet that need? The reality is if we truly love other people like we say we do, then it will be demonstrated in our lives. So we saw the command to love. We saw the example of love. Finally, though, we see the reward of love. Jesus says something fascinating here in verse 11. He says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You know, the joy that Jesus is talking about is really, it's an interesting thing. We oftentimes tend to equate joy with happiness. Have you ever noticed that it's very easy, that there's no guarantee that you're always gonna be happy, right? I remember when I was a senior in college, I was um, on Valentine's Day, my mom called me and she said, hey, you know, just wanted to wish you happy Valentine's Day and we had a wonderful conversation. I was at work, so it was only like 10 minutes long. We had a good, good conversation and, you know, happy Valentine's Day, I love you. I hung up the phone and then about two days later, I got a call from my dad and he said, hey, Adam, you need to fly home now. My sister was a freshman at college at the time. He said, you and your sister need to fly home now. Your mom's in the hospital in a coma. The doctors don't think she's gonna make it. And I remember that was tough. I mean, this was, you know, I, I grew up in a wonderful home, had wonderful Christian parents that sacrificed and gave so much. Uh, my sister and I flew home early the next morning and we got there and my, wife, or my um, mom died just about two or three days later. And I remember during that time, when you're going through a circumstance like that, it can be very difficult to say, yes, I am happy right now, right? And the reality is all of us have gone through trials like that. Uh, whether it's the same trial, a similar trial, or something totally different, we've all gone through difficult times in our life where happiness is not the first word that pops into our mind, but our joy isn't connected to our happiness. Our joy is connected with our love for Jesus Christ. He says, these things have I spoken unto you in the context of, you know what? I love, the Father loved me. I love you. You need to go out and love one another. Why? That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. If we love Jesus Christ as we should, we can go through tough circumstances. We can experience difficult, difficult times in our life where happiness is not the first emotion that comes to mind, but we can know the joy of the Lord in those times. Romans chapter eight says this, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, in these verses, Jesus is saying, my joy might remain in you. What Jesus was going to go through over the next day or two was not a happy time. He was, a, he, Jesus is God. He's omniscient. He knew everything that was getting ready to happen. He knew that he was about to be betrayed by one of his closest friends. He knew that he was going to be arrested, led away, beaten, whipped, a crown of thorns smashed on his head, dragged through the streets of Jerusalem, nailed to a cross where he would be laughed at, mocked, bear the wrath of God for our sins and ultimately die for our sins. Jesus knew all that was coming 
And yet he knew what joy was. And he's saying, you know what, disciples, you can have joy too if you simply love one another as I have loved you. Let me ask you a question tonight. How is your joy? Are you experiencing the joy of the Lord in your life or are you completely dependent on your happiness, depending on what circumstance you're in, depending on what's going on in life, depending on how you know, your job's going or how your family is or how your home's going? If so, we need to get back to the joy that Jesus Christ promises us if we love him supremely. Do you know Jesus Christ? I told you how Jesus Christ suffered and, and bled and died on the cross in your place so that you could have a home in heaven if you have never trusted him as your own personal savior, take care of that now. Don't put that off. But if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you know that heaven is your home, you know you're on your way to heaven, then we need to love Jesus Christ supremely, love the lost people around us enough to sacrificially give of ourselves to bring them the gospel, and then love other Christians, other people right here around you in the church, enough to give of yourself to meet their needs. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit Moses Lake Baptist Church.